You're listening to Core Stories. I'm Emily Bruff, Communications Director at Otter Creek Church. Megan Munson sat down with me to share her story of how foster care became an unexpected pathway to the family she had always desired. I know this story will be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. My name is Megan. Um, So I grew up, I consider myself a Nashville native. I I, um, lived in a few different places growing up. I lived in California for a couple years and Florida for several years, Um, but I spent a lot of time in Nashville as well and went to Lipscomb um, and my family's here. So this area is definitely home for me. I ended up at Otter Creek right before um, Michael, my husband, and I got married. We He grew up Baptist. I grew up Church of Christ. So we were just trying to meet in the middle, and Otter Creek seemed like a good place for both of us. We have been married almost five years. So um, Michael has two daughters from a previous marriage. So I have two stepdaughters, Maddie and Hannah, um, and then... Just over two years ago, we brought Nico and Blake into our family as well. So my plan had not always been to foster and adopt. Um, My plan, like most people's, was probably to grow up and get married and have a child. Um, And that was not God's plan for me. And so um, I met my first husband here in Nashville in 2003, um, we dated for a couple years, got married in 2005. Um, we were married for about six and a half years um, before that marriage ended. So I consider the, the start of my journey to have kids um, was... 2007, when I had my first miscarriage, um, Labor Day weekend of 2007, and at the time, I wasn't trying, we weren't planning, it just sort of happened, and so while that loss was heartbreaking, it was okay, we were going to, you know, have a kid another time, Um, and we decided to wait for about a year before we tried again, and then we spent about a year trying, and I got pregnant again, and then I lost that baby. Um, and so after that, I went to you know, my doctor and was like, you've got to help. I've had two miscarriages. I'm ready to have my baby. What can we do? Um, so I began, I think, a medicine that probably most people that are struggling, you know, I think a lot of people kind of are started on that. So I did that for about nine months um, with no results. And so he referred me on to an infertility clinic um, and I worked with them for close to a year as well. Um, A lot more fertility medicines and um, we did about five procedures that failed. Um, And so at that point, we turned to adoption as the best option, what we thought would be the best option. Um, we were on two adoption lists, and um, by that time, it, it, the whole process was just owning me. It was, it was controlling me. It was, um, it's all I could think about. It's all, you know, it, it was 
Um, again, yeah, it was just owning me. It was something that, um, that's all I was focused on. Um, and so God decided to just shake things up for me. And so the marriage I was in at that time actually ended. There were lots of reasons that marriage ended, but, you know, I definitely think that infertility played a role in it. And, um, my whole life was changed. I moved, um, away from where we were living at the time and, um, came back to Tennessee. That's how I came back to Tennessee, um, back to family, back to home. And, um, obviously my focus shifted from having a child to walking through my divorce and, um, healing from that. Um, going through that brought me into a much deeper relationship with God that I had ever experienced before. Um, because there were countless moments where he was all I had (laughs) in the dark of night, you know, he was who I had to talk to and cry out to. And, um, and so I just accepted his plan. I didn't, I didn't know what his plan was for me in any point of my life at that, you know, at that time. Um, especially when it came to kids, I still had that desire that I wanted to have a a child, but I didn't know how that was going to happen at that point, you know, being, being single again. And so I just handed it over to him and I was determined that I would never let it, you know, control me the way it had before. Um, I wasn't going to let that be my focus. I was just going to let it happen. However, God planned it. Um, and so again, walk through that time. I, I eventually met my husband, Michael, and as I mentioned, he has two, two daughters. And so, um, I thought maybe that was God's plan for me to have a family and to have kids. You know, I thought maybe those were the kids that God had planned for me, but I still had something in me that, you know, they were great to me. They welcomed me into their family. Um, but I just still had this desire for my own kids. And, um, like I said, I still didn't know how that was going to happen. I wasn't going to go back to fertility treatments or, um, make that a focus for us. And so we kind of agreed on a timeline that we would try. Um, and we actually got on some adoption list as well. And again, we had, we agreed to give it a year. We would, um, give it a year that we would either try to adopt or, um, try to have our own child. And after that time we would just let it go. Um, and going, going back, going back at some point in this walk, I, you know, I had given it over to him and I had gotten a certain piece in that, um, but I also got this, I guess, word from him that just was wait, just wait. Um, and I would still, most of the time that <clears throat> I could do that, I could, I could sit and I could rest in that. But there were certainly still times that I begged and pleaded for him to hurry up <laughs> and give him my baby. I didn't want to wait. I'd been waiting for years. But I would try to just remember that and accept that um, and just wait. 
And so again, we continued to just um, wait and see what would happen. And um, as months went by, you know, I, I began to think that, you know, maybe I had it all wrong. And it, it was not his plan for me to have kids, especially as we got like closer and closer to as more and more months went by. And so I actually began to pray that he would take that desire out of my heart. Um, you know, there's a verse in Psalms that says he will grant you the desires of your heart. But I just, um, I felt like maybe I just had it wrong. (laughs) And so I began to pray for him to take that desire away. And so we were about halfway through our year. We were on three adoption lists and we kind of at the same time, but not related we had decided to get certified to do respite foster care um, just to help out um, our friends, the troops that were fostering at the time. They they just spoke about that being a need for all foster families, you know, just having families that could do respite care and take a child for a week or a weekend or a couple days or whatever, just to give a foster family a break. And um, we didn't feel like we could do full-time foster care because you know, if we did get the call to adopt, that could come at any time and we couldn't have the unknowns of a foster situation. So we didn't feel like we could do full-time foster care, but we, we felt like we could do respite care. So again, we got certified for that. And just about after we had done that, um, a month or two after we had done that, the troops got a little boy in their home. We actually heard about it at life group. They just kind of asked for prayers. We're getting a new foster child and, you know, prayers for our family and the transition and, and all of that. And they mentioned, you know, he was an 18 month little boy and they shared, you know, mom was um, not really in the picture. Um, And so he might, you know, be up for adoption at some point. So on the way home from life group that day, you know, my husband was like, well, we are trying to adopt and here's this little 18 month old boy. And so maybe this is somebody God is putting in our life um, on for a reason. Maybe, maybe this is who we're supposed to adopt. And I told him that he, that was not right because I wanted a new baby and um, I did not want an 18 month old baby. I wanted a brand new baby just because I wanted to experience everything. I had waited so long and I wanted to experience everything, every moment from the beginning. Um, two or three more times that week, we had the exact same conversation. Michael would say, you know, you know, maybe. And I was like, nope, you're wrong. And then we actually went back to life group. The very next week we met Nico and we learned that when the troops had met Nico, um, the DCS workers shared that his mom was pregnant and there would be um, a sibling coming in just a few months and he would be coming to the troops as well. And so on the way home from life group that day, I told Michael, I, I think he was actually right. And I, I think we are supposed to adopt, you know, or pursue um, Nico and this new baby that was coming Um, We really didn't know much about the situation at all. We weren't involved in the situation at all to be able to get details or any real information, Um, just because so much of that information is confidential. 
Um, so we really weren't able to. We could ask some hypothetical questions, um, but we couldn't get real real facts, information. Um, there's so many unknowns with foster care in general. So there were just questions that we had. No, Nobody had answers to. Um, so after probably six, eight weeks of just talking and questions and prayer, we just decided that we were going to take a leap of faith and we were going to pursue um, Nico and his sibling-to-be. Nobody really knew anything about that, um, about him at the time. Um, so we decided to go ahead and pursue that and get certified as a DCS foster home. And we ended up doing some respite foster care with Nico just so we could kind of get to know and him and develop a relationship with him. And then we were, we knew this baby was coming in February, but that's all we do. We didn't know any sort of due date. We didn't know boy or girl. We didn't know if this was a healthy baby. We we didn't know where mom was. Nobody knew where mom was. So there, again, there were just so many unknowns about him. But we got a call. We were sitting at my stepdaughter's JV basketball game. It was like five o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. And we got a call that the baby had been born. Um, and was in the hospital and um, it turned out that he was um, drug exposed and so he had to spent 15 days in the hospital going through withdrawals um, so I was able to go and visit him a few times at the hospital and hold him and um, that was really hard <laughs> um, to um to have to leave him there and um know that he was there all by himself this brand new little baby that <laughs> was awful um but he was released from the hospital he was doing well after about 15 days showing very showing um good signs of withdrawal and and um was healthy and so he got to come home um, they were both still at the troops for about a week after that. So the troops opened their home to me and let me move in. <laughs> so um, I spent that week with them so I could be there with with Nico and with Blake. Um, and then, like I said, about a, th- a week later. So Blake was three weeks old and Nico was 22 months. Um, we got to bring them home finally. Um, the adoption process was very difficult. Um, so again, because the boys were in foster care, uh, they were taken from their mom. Um, so it wasn't like a traditional adoption, I guess, where the mom or dad or both give up the child for adoption. So we had to go through the process of terminating parental rights and, um, DCS had to do that for us. And, um, you know, DCS is just a, a broken system in a lot of ways. There's so many kids. There's there's um, so many kids that they're taking care of. And, you know, we were basically told at one point they knew our kids were in a good, you know, they knew Nico and Blake were in a good home. They knew they were safe. And there were so many other kids that were not safe. And so 
um, you know, indirectly saying our kids were not like a priority. There were more pressing needs that they had to address immediately. Um, and so, yeah, DCS is just overwhelmed with kids that they're trying to care for. And so cases move very slowly. Um, and so things, you know, that were supposed to get done in a certain timeline, we'd, we would get a timeline and then, oh, that didn't happen. So we have to, you know, push the next court date out a couple more months or whatever. Um, so, but again, we had to go through each of those steps. We had to go through certain steps. And the boys' um, parental situation was a little bit complicated. Um, so not only did they had to terminate on mom, but they had to terminate parental rights on two dads as well. And they couldn't locate those two dads. And so that just made the process a little more difficult. So, um, so again, just relying on DCS and rely, having to rely on the court system. Um, it was just a long process and a very slow moving process. And so I just, you know, in the, back of my head, uh, we were told, and of course I knew that as long as they were foster children, you know, there was that risk that they could be taken at some point, you know? Um, and, and I guess that was just a fear that stayed in the back of my head, but I didn't really, I just felt like God had brought me so far (laughs) and had put those babies in my arms. I, I just trusted, I just had to trust that um, he would not let that happen. He would not let them be taken from me. And, you know, when I held them, I I just, I felt like they were mine, you know, being able to hold Blake from at the hospital as a brand new born. I mean, I just, I felt like he was mine. So um, it was just a matter of trusting and, and being patient, but that was hard. but that was hard because again, that, that fear was in the back of my head that something could happen, you know, at any time. So, um, (laughs) I know I probably complained to lots of people about, you know, how long it was taking, how frustrating it was. And, um, but again, it was just a matter of trusting that this was part of God's plan and I just had to wait. There I was again waiting. <laughs> um, yeah, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans that I have made for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I mean, that was a verse I went back to over and over and over that he had a plan for me and it was going to be a good plan. Um, I just, yeah, I went back to that verse a lot that he... It was just all part of a plan. And once I got to the other side of it, you know, and I've, um, looking back, I mean, I can see that. I I can see that he was working. I mean, even my, you know, divorce was a part of that plan because, because I was meant to have these children with Michael. (laughs) And so I had to get, get to Michael, um, and so, you know, that was a part of the plan and, and me not having children in my first marriage as hard and as difficult and as much as I didn't like that, you know, that was part of God's plan. And, um, 
you know, all the adoption lists and just, just doing that work of being, having a home study and having all that done, even doing the respite foster care, even though we didn't end up doing very much. The fact that we had become certified because the agency, um, you know, that we, Agape was the agency we had become certified with, and they are the agency that Nico and Blake were placed with. So we kind of already had our foot in the door there. You know, they were familiar with us because of that foster care training. Um, So just so many different pieces. You know, the fact that we were in a life group with the troops, who knew that that was part of the plan, you know, and that life group came together a couple of years before that or a year or two or whatever before that had no idea that was part of the plan for us to get to know them and be in their lives and 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 the fact that they decided to foster you know totally not anything that I would have thought um would have helped me get a baby but you know that's exactly how I got my baby so um so yeah just so many unrelated things that all came together. Well, the girls were very excited um, when Michael and I were still dating before we had gotten married. They started asking when we were going to get married and have a baby. So they were they were super excited. Um, I don't remember much about the first few weeks because all of a sudden I had two babies and um, I had not let myself like get again foster care unknowns so I had not let myself get like super ready for them I hadn't set up their room I hadn't like the day or so I think the day before we had the meeting um to to with DCS to move them over I was like I guess I should go get like diapers and food for these babies you know I just but I did not let myself get ready until I kind of knew that it was a, a sure thing. So, um, so I had a lot just to do again, just to set up their room and get clothes. People were so generous to just provide clothes and so many things for us. And so it was a matter of going through those things and getting them organized and figuring out what we needed and what we, um, you know, what we had and what we still needed. Um, so it was just, it was very overwhelming, but, (laughs) Oh, I just remember holding that baby a lot, a lot. I remember him crying a lot <laughs> because probably because I didn't know what I was doing really. Um, so I probably made him cry more than <laughs> than he should have. But um, yeah, it was just it was very overwhelming. I think it's probably the best word. You know, it was something I had you know wanted for so long and then it was and (laughs) in fact um you know I had told my husband that you know I I wanted a baby and he had already had two children and and so um he was like it's really hard I don't know if I want to do this again I was like well I'll I'll do it like I'll do it And um, for about a week, I tried to do it all. And then after about a week, I can't remember saying to him, I can't do it. You have to help me. And he was already helping, but I still tried to do like as much as possible and minimize the effect that it was having on everybody. And 
after about a week, I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't do it all. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to have to, you know, help me a lot, <laughs> which she already knew. But, um, yeah, I do remember that just <clears throat> had been harder than I ever thought about. Um, I mean, it was just, it was fun watching the girls bond with them, you know, do bottles and they're not super at doing diapers, but, um, <laughs> they don't really volunteer for that very much. But, um, uh, Hannah, especially my younger stepdaughter, she was so excited not to be the baby anymore, but she, so she just really is great with them and, you know, very hands-on and, um, just, just loves taking care of them. Finally, you know, having somebody to take care of instead of, you know, being the younger one, um, and always being taken care of. So that's been fun to watch, to watch her with them. I, I can remember like when Blake was, I mean, you know, brand new, could just lay there, right? Didn't move, didn't do anything. And Nico would go up to him and try to like interact with him. And obviously Blake just would lay there. And I mean, for, you know, for months, he would be like, someday, Nico, he will play with you. Someday, I promise. But like right now, <laughs> just leave him alone. Don't touch. <laughs> um, but I mean, Nico's loved him from the beginning. And he's he's a very good big brother. So it's fun now. A couple, you know, two years later, they are interacting all the time. And Nico is still very sweet. He will, you know... When Blake's at, uh, upset about something, he'll hug him or ask him if he's okay. So he's a good, he's a good big brother. Yeah, so I feel like he, yeah, for sure uses things to stretch us and and grow us. And yeah, just like I think I did say, you know, going through my divorce brought me closer to him and made me rely on him in ways I had not before and you know, infertility was the same way. I knew, like, my babies were only going to come from him, you know? I mean, he, if it was his plan, he was going to provide them. And I eventually figured out, you know, like, I couldn't make it happen. It was out of my hands. It was completely in his plans, and I had to, had to accept that. While there are plenty of people that go through infertility, not everybody does, and so there are so many people that just don't understand it. Um, I can remember when I was at one of my lowest points with it, um, I read an article actually written by Laura Bush because she went through infertility to conceive her before she conceived her twins. And she, she wrote something to the effect of... Um, you're grieving. It's a you're grieving, but you're grieving something you've never had. And most people don't understand that. It, it makes sense to people who are grieving because of a miscarriage or a stillborn child or losing a child. You know, people can understand that pain. Um, and in a lot of the ways, it's the same pain, but but you've never even had that child. So again, it's hard to explain. It probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but. Um, yeah, so that's what I would say to someone waiting. Just, I'm so sorry, um, because I know how hard that is. And again, you just, you just have to trust. And I've had 
um, as I walked through this, you know, I've I met lots of different people along the way who um, were struggling as well. And, you know, most all of them ended up with a baby or two or three. Um, but I have a couple friends that never got to have a baby. And, um, you know, even myself, I, I still, it still really hurts sometimes that I know that I'm not going to have a biological child. Um, just cause I would have loved to have had that ex- experience. Again, it just goes back to trusting God's plan for your life. You know, another verse I think about often is his ways are not our ways. I mean, there are so many things he does that we will never understand. Um, and so it, it might be that someone waiting, someone hoping, someone struggling doesn't end up having a child, but I, I feel like that means God has something even better planned for them. And I don't know what that is, you know, that could look all kinds of different ways, but I don't know, just trusting that he can take whatever pieces that are in your life and and use them for for something good. Core Stories is a ministry of the Otter Creek Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. To find more stories, go to ottercreek.org/stories or follow us on Instagram.